not mad at you. I'm mad at me. I've just been so lonely over the last year. I'm raising a child alone. I'm scared. I always thought of myself as a strong and independent person, but the truth is I'm afraid. When I think about when I was first having children, I can remember that my husband used to try to pull me away from the baby. And I would sit, it was our daughter at the time, he would try to pull me away and I would say, you're crazy, I need to stay home. And I am so glad, looking back on that experience, that we took vacations with one another. How do you stay connected to your spouse throughout your marital relationship. With me today to discuss this is Dr. Barry McCarthy. He's a professor of psychology at American University and a certified marital and sex therapist. Uh, he's presented many workshops nationally and internationally and he also has co-authored eight books with his wife Emily including Rekindling Desire. What a pleasure to have you on the show today Dr. McCarthy. I'm very glad to be here. Uh, in terms of staying connected, what advice do you give people to stay connected? Well, two pieces of advice. The first is to remember that the most important bond in your family is a husband-wife bond, that you need to nurture that and reinforce that, and in the long run, that's the best investment you make in terms of your family and your children. Um, having a... Uh, parents who are a solid marital couple is a very good thing for kids. The second is that I tell couples to stay away from the trap of intercourse or nothing. So many people fall into that pattern where um, the woman says, if I'm not ready to have intercourse, I don't, I'm going to avoid contact with my spouse, that I, I don't have the energy for intercourse. What I say to people is that it's, touching is valuable in and of itself. And we use the analogies of five gears of touching or five dimensions of touching. What are those? And that had the first is, uh, think about it as like a stick shift car. The first gear is affectionate gear. And what you mean by that is hands-on touching, clothes-on touching, things like holding hands, kissing, hugging. Um, and the fifth gear is the intercourse gear. And what happens with too many people is that they either get into intercourse or nothing, or the only gears they have is affection or intercourse. And what I try to say to them is you want to keep contact and make it a pleasure-oriented contact. So the second gear is a sensual gear, and it's a non-gentle gear. It can be clothed or unclothed. It's the kind of thing you cuddle on the couch, you cuddle before um, you go to sleep or when you wake in the morning. Uh, you do non-genital massage. Uh, it's a very important gear because I think that, again, sensuality is the underpinning of sexual response. And then the third gear is a playful gear, mixing non-genital and genital touching. Uh, it can occur cold, semi-cold, or nude, inside, outside the bedroom. And that's the kind of thing where people... Uh, take showers or baths together, where they dance together, where they play strip poker together. And then the fourth gear, which is actually the most controversial gear for married couples, is genital stimulation to high arousal and orgasm for one or both of you that doesn't involve intercourse. And people are used to that gear from 
um, premarital sex, but they say, well, now that I'm married, I'm never going to use that gear again. And in fact, for many couples, that can be a very important gear, especially when intercourse is impossible or one person is more into wanting a sexual experience than the other. You know, I can hear some of my clients, if they were to hear this, the, the women would say, you know, you're crazy because you're mentioning all these gears, but my husband only has one gear. It's gear number five. And if I just go to brush his hair, he expects that it's going to lead to intercourse, so I can't even touch him anymore. If I were to take a bath with him, if we didn't have intercourse, I'd, there'd be hell to pay. Mm-hmm. I think that is the kind of battle that men and women get into, and it's a bad battle for both the man, the woman, and the couple relationship. That when they think of themselves as intimate sexual friends, that each of them has a right to make a request. Each of them has a right to say, no, I'm not into this right now. So what we do is that we'll have them have a date, whether it's once a month, once every other month, that's a sensual date. Or they have a date that can be a sexual date, but there's a prohibition on intercourse. Now, how would you set up that date? Like, say you were advising that to me and my husband, not that I'm looking for personal therapy <laughs> here. Uh, how would you advise a couple to set up a monthly date? Well, the way I would advise them is when they have the time and privacy and they're awake and alert and alive. And often that means when the kids are asleep or the kids are out in the house. And where they're going to, to have a date where they're going to play, where they're going to use touch as a way of being connected and playful. Okay. So it would be more in the sense of saying, Ellen, maybe make a date with Harris, you know, plan to go, Harris is my husband, for those mm -hmm. listening, um, have a, ha, plan to go out to a hotel room, or what we typically do, we do do this, we'll go to a bed and breakfast, periodically mm -hmm. we just take off to some charming, relatively local, because I don't like to spend a lot of my hours driving, mm -hmm. uh, place, and we'll go to a charming, bed, a charming bed and breakfast, and it feels like we've been away for a month, and we've only been away overnight. That's right. I think one of the best investments that couples make with each other is whether it's just once a year or it's a week away or it's two weekends away where they go away without the kids. That um, rather than it being selfish, which I think is what everybody worries about, it's again a good emotional investment for yourself. It's a good emotional investment for your marriage. But in the long run, it's also a really good emotional investment for your children. Um, we are now grandparents, and one of the things that we're really looking forward to is in May, we're going to go to uh, Germany, where my son and daughter-in-law are living, and we're going to watch their two-year-old um, daughter, our granddaughter, for two, 11 days while they take a trip. And I think they're looking forward to it, we're looking forward to it, and our granddaughter is looking forward to it. And so that's, Everybody wins. So that's one of the gears of connection, too, that even though they're not taking the vacation until, would you say, May, mm -hmm. they still live it. They can fantasize about it. They can imagine it, and that forms a nice bond for them, just that anticipatory excitement. Absolutely true. That uh, a lot of what goes into sexual desire is a positive anticipation. You're looking forward to sharing pleasure, which is totally the opposite of what you uh, were talking about, of the person who says, I couldn't suggest this because we're going to get into a fight about it. Right. It's the opposite of getting into a fight right. about it. It really is both 
of you anticipate. So it's both of you being self-valuing, which I would call selfish in a very healthy sense. Absolutely. And it's not a me-only view where the guy only gets the satisfaction, which you'll never get that way, because if the woman's performing dutifully, it's a, a false victory that he's won. So, um, listen, I want to thank you so much for your advice. This is Dr. Barry McCarthy, and he's a sex, marital and sex therapist, and he's written and co-authored over eight books with his wife, Emily. And Dr. McCarthy, where could somebody get your books, and what books would you recommend? Well, the two books that I would recommend that Emily and I have written is Rekindling Desire, um, which talks about how to get out of the slump of a non-sexual relationship or fighting about sexual frequency. And the second book that we recommend is a book that is a prevention book. It's called Getting It Right the First Time, Creating Healthy Marriage, which talks about the first two years of marriage. Well, that sounds wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm glad to be here. And you can always hear my shows on drkenner.com. We, we podcast the shows. And also, I've got books I recommend and articles to read. And I am Dr. Ellen Kenner on the Rational Basis of Happiness. And I look forward to joining you again next week. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the serious romance guidebook by clinical psychologist Dr. Ellen Kenner and co-author Dr. Edwin Locke, who's world famous for his theories in goal setting. Many differences between partners' interests that conflict with one's own preferences can be ignored if they are not important enough to make an issue of. This is not the same as avoiding a significant moral conflict. It is avoiding making unnecessary waves about a legitimate personal difference. As the issues become more significant, such as differences in politics or religion, conflicts become more difficult, though not necessarily impossible to ignore. Usually such issues will have been considered before a close relationship is developed, but individuals may change over time. You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com and buy it at Amazon.com.